workaholic, kingdom-minded. Much of a service in the beginning is trying to set the atmosphere. The Bible says that the inhabitants of praise of his people. So wherever there's praise from the heart, there he establishes his throne. And out of that. So you want to see the power of God, miracles, signs, and wonders. It's really easy. Just praise the Lord. Do it with your heart. And his promise is he'll come and things will happen. But that being known today by many of you, I want to take it a little different twist. Some of you here today have come worship and praise so beautifully. But yet you feel, I'm speaking to those that have put their heart into worship and praise this morning, you feel that, that, that heaviness. I know you do. I know I do. And I know many of you that have, you're up here in the front worshiping. Let me explain to you what's happening. Your praise and worship is breaking through the heaven. It's working. But the heaviness you're feeling is the sins and the lostness of humanity that sits on the pews today. So don't ever let the enemy tell you your praise doesn't matter. Because there's principality carriers in this building tonight. Families can be principality carriers. Their families are lost and on and so forth. And they're carrying these spirits that say, you don't need to praise God. You don't need to worship God. That doesn't matter. That's emotionalism. It don't matter. Just You're just hyping people up. I'm here to declare to those worshipers and praisers, it's worshiping. That's pleasing under the Lord. And you just keep praising God no matter what anybody says. Let them keep looking on and say you lost your mind. But it's going to be me and you that are on streets of glory declaring it was worth it. Discouraged because you feel the heaviness of this service. You're just trying to get somebody out of the darkness they're in. So you know what? You're fulfilling the role of what Jesus did. He gave of himself for others. Don't ever stop praising and worshiping with all your heart. No matter how heavy it may feel, how hard it may feel, your flesh may tell you it ain't doing you no good. You hear me. You are identifying with the role of Christ when you give of yourself in praise and worship and deny yourself. For somebody that came in this building tonight, today, there's miracles in this place today. And the praise and the worship of God's people is what's going to help somebody come out of where they are. One more time, if you've got a praise in your heart, give it to him with all your heart. Somebody could get free today because of some praiser and some worshiper that would give of themselves. Andrew today wanting to know what the will of God is. Today God's going to speak to you. That angel's here, not for me. That ain't no sideshow. This ain't a circus. He ain't here to make you and I believe. No, 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 no. He's here on a mission. And he's going to walk every pew, every aisle. And he's going to move and he's going to place his hand on people. And where the scales on your eyes, you can't see it today. You'll open your heart. You're going to see something you've never seen before in the word of God. Sunday school, you're dismissed. Great report last Sunday for the Kevin Merriman. We had 18 kids back there with Brother Merriman. 18 present. Four brand new filled with the Holy Ghost. Six were refilled. So out of 18, 10 were refilled and filled with the Holy Ghost. Some of our little babies, three and four years old, God filled them with the Holy Ghost. 
And I don't see Eric and his family here today, Petrie, but God filled their boy. Brother Terry Bushnell was praying with him over here and God filled him in our service. So five brand new Holy Ghost filled on New Year's Eve service. Thank the Lord. I thank God for young kids getting the Holy Ghost. They're the most impressionable. That's why I thank God for Sunday school and those teachers. Get it in them. Get it in them. And we teach them Bible studies. They make some of the best disciples if we can get it in them. Mamas and daddies, teach them at home. Man, we've got such a harvest just right here in our hands, just from our children. That my Lord, they could turn schools right side up like so desperately needs to, needs to happen. If you got your Bibles, John chapter 12. John chapter 12. Sister Beth, find for me, not now, but 1 Kings 17 and verse 14. Just write it down. Verse 14 or 15, somewhere up in there. John 12 and start with verse 22. Philip cometh and telleth Andrew. And again, Andrew and Philip tell Jesus. Jesus answered them saying, The hour is come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. He that loveth his life shall lose it. He that hateth his life in the world shall keep it. Unto life eternal. If any man serve me, let him follow me, and where I am, there shall also my servant be. If any man serve me, him will I, will my father honor. Now is my soul troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. This is humanity speaking. But for this cause came I to this hour. Jesus, very, verse, find 24 for me, Beth, keep it there. Jesus, very adamant about this message he is giving to his faithful 12. And you can't see it underlined in the pages and the, the, the lines here. But what he's really trying to tell them is the miracle only comes through death. And if you can understand the vehicle of dying, then you in turn can receive the miracle that he has for them. I want to preach to you here this morning from a very simple thought. The miracle in death. The miracle in death. If you would, lift your hands and ask God to talk to us today. Jesus, I need your help today. Help my heart, my mind, my spirit be in unity with you completely. God, I ask you today, let your word go forth with a clarity and understanding. Let it not just be another sermon. God, we need a message from you today, and I'm asking you. I'm hungry for it. Speak to me today, God. Speak to our hearts today that we would be better prepared for what you have for us. I ask you in Jesus' name we pray. Everybody say in Jesus' name. God bless you. You may be seated. <clears throat> I love the writing of John. John is the... The one that is in such proximity to Jesus, if there had to be a favorite, though God doesn't play favorites, he's not a respecter of persons, but of hunger. John would definitely, would definitely be one that hunger was, was manifested through John. You see many traits through many of the disciples and those uh, you'd call the top tier, uh, James, John, and Peter, the, the inner circle, the three. But even out of the three, John uh, rises a little bit more. And I, I believe there's a reason for that, that John uh, was, was, was privy to things of the Spirit. There was something about John, you, you know, I'm not going to go into a character study of these, these men uh, but, but you find a trait about John that I don't find in the others. You know, you get a little glimpse of it in Peter because he got the revelation of thou art the mighty God in Christ. But John is such a consistent ability to perceive the things of the Spirit. 
The others, again, no doubt, came from different walks of life, maybe different types of training, maybe different personalities. All of that factors maybe into it, but I don't believe that there is any excuse for any of them to have an ability to perceive the things of God and what God is trying to do. You see it in John. John stays close to the Lord. But it is John that pins the words, in the beginning was the word and the word was God. He was understanding the deeper things of God that, that most of those men didn't quite understand. They had a glimpse of it. Even Peter having a revelation of the mighty God in Christ and in his declaration and strong affirmation that day when it should have been Andrew, it was Peter. Even he, in my assessment of these writers of the first four and especially Especially uh, John, James, and uh, Peter, you find that John was the one that went into it a little bit deeper. So it's no wonder that John is seeing something here in the Spirit. By what Jesus is saying. I'm not saying that John added to or took away. I'm saying that it's not a wonder that John wrote what he wrote in this particular text. No other writer writes about this. It's John 12. That John is the one catching the words of Jesus. The backdrop of the story is it was, it was time for Passover. Jesus is coming to a close and, and, and he's getting everything ready. He wrote just a little bit before when he said, go and, and make ready the, the coat of an ass. And then he talks about again, I will ride in on a coat. Another beautiful uh, prophecy speaking of the oneness of God because in the Old Testament, many of the kings that would go to battle, the king, the father would ride on the on the, 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 the regular horse or the colt and then there the son would ride on the foal of that the baby or uh, of that colt and when Jesus said go get me the colt and the ass get me the, 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 the daddy and the, the, the baby and he rode on both of them because it was a prophecy showing he was not just the father but he was the son he was the mighty God in Christ he rode on both of them draped across was a blanket and he came in because he was trying to show those Jews there was not a multiplicity of gods but there was only one God and I am the Father in creation, the Son in redemption and the Holy Ghost in regeneration. I'm one God manifested in the flesh. And when he rode in on those colts or making ready that, there was a preparation that took place he was trying to condition the hearts of the people that there's some principles you cannot skirt by. You can get caught up in the fanfare. You can get caught up in uh, the, the, all the uh, wordiology and the theologies. And, and he didn't use these terms, but we can get caught up in all the things that surround Jesus. But the basic component, he said, I'm fixing to give you an answer, a story. That this is the foundation by which you and I live in the miraculous. The miraculous isn't earned. Miracles are not earned. Things that God give you and I are not earned. It's just the grace of God and faith exhibited in Him that causes these things to come to pass. And Jesus now is coming into Passover and all the Greeks are there. Not only the Gentiles and the Jews, but the Greeks are present as well who didn't believe in anything. They believe in a multifaceted uh, mindset of deity. And Jesus says, with all of them even here, I need to bring a scripture to mind and I need you to understand something. That this, what I'm about to say, is not just for the Gentile. It's not just for the Jew. And it's not just for, it's not just for the Greek, it's for all. The principle goes to every individual that wants to serve God and please God and live for God. There's no other way. And I know Jesus said, I'm the door and I'm the only way. But he gives us now the principle. And he says, for now, mine hour has come. They're all together for the feast of Passover and all these different people are there. And Jesus tells them, hour has now come he was speaking of the crucifixion he was speaking of where he was about to go but he got their attention to get them to understand there is a certain time that you and I have to be aware of in our living for God 
Because if we miss the moment that God has for you and for I, that's what is so dangerous about coming to the house of God over and over and being non-responsive to what God is saying in the word of God. Or my prayer on Monday or Tuesday and God begins to deal with me about things, but yet I'm non-responsive to what he's telling me. If I'm not careful, Brother Sean, I miss my moment. I miss my moment to see something in God of miraculous that I've never seen before. And Jesus said, my hour now has come. My moment, that word translates moment. There are multiple definitions for it. Cairo, Kairos, Kronos, and Eti. This is another one, a fourth term defining what time is. One talks about the digital clock. Another one talks about a schedule. Another one talks about an epic moment. This one is connecting to a moment in time that everything was waiting for this one moment. I wonder today how many things have lined up in our life and everything that has happened, whether it be good or bad, whether it be storms and valleys or it be great mountaintops of victories and great things that have happened. But everything that God has allowed in our life are all lining up for one thing. There is an epic moment. There is one moment in time that God is going to give you and I an encounter and you and I have to make sure and Jesus is doing everything he can to rally the people together and he says except a corn of wheat well verily verily that's good stay there verily verily Anytime the scripture uses verily, verily, it's him basically using attention to try to bring them, saying, listen very intently what I'm trying to say. Because what I'm about to say is very important and you don't want to miss it. I wish sometimes we would have that type of attention that we could grab the attention like Jesus could. I wish sometimes, Brother Wade, God could do that for me, that sometimes those lessons that I seemingly miss just over and over, I wish he could come down to me and just say, Verily, verily, that would get my attention to realize this is not just another sermon. This isn't just another prayer meeting, Scott. This isn't just some other scripture you're reading. But every time I go to the Word of God, I want it to be a verily, verily moment. Every time I come to the house of God, I want it to be a verily, verily moment. That I'm listening to the Word of God not for to get my ears tickled or to get my heart just kind of feeling good and some emotional hype, but that I come to God realizing this is an epic moment. And I've got to do everything to cut away every distraction cut away everything in my mind that would hinder me from missing a verily, verily moment. What would cause me to miss it? And Jesus is doing his best to wake him up. Don't miss the lesson I'm about to say. I wonder if it was running through Jesus' mind because if you miss this, you miss the whole purpose of why my hour has come. In other words, Calvary is just another Calvary. You know how many other people have been crucified? Crucifixion was no big deal. Somebody hanging on a cross was no big deal. Somebody going through what he went through was no big deal. And he's trying to bring them to attention to say, my hours come because I'm going to die in the physical. But for you, there comes another principle. You might not die in the physical, but death to yourself will die. And if you let that death come, there'll be a miraculous working power of God that could change your current situation. You're not going to get through it without the miraculous. That's why these people that say, well, I just don't need that spirit. I, I don't need the moving of the spirit. I can't explain it. I can't put it in an algorithm. I can't quantify it, so I don't need it. And the very ones that when they're laying on the bed with cancer calling for help. I need the spirit. I need prayer to change. I need prayer to work. What do you think prayer is? It's the spirit. It's calling on the moving of God's spirit to come and manifest. Like I said before, the spirit of God carries power. But just because the spirit's here doesn't mean the power is manifested. 
Spirit of God's in this building today. He can heal blinded eyes. Sister Perkins, he can heal your eyes. You never have to wear glasses. From this moment on, right now today, God can do it. His Spirit's here. But what causes his Spirit to manifest healing to your eyes right now? What causes the miraculous to move and manifest itself in a way that would forever change what I am, my course of events, the way I live for God, the way I approach God. Jesus is starting in and he says, Verily, verily, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it dies, What's the component between the first stanza and the second stanza? If the corn of wheat falls and dies, it abides alone. The bridge between the two is alone. There are some things you're going to go through life you can't go through with the group. I'm not discrediting anything about the members, but the God one's done so well as connecting the body, and we're one member in the body. That's true, and we're connected. And one suffers, we all suffer. That's the body. It's part of the body of Christ. But there are some things that you and I are going to go through that you're not going to understand what I'm going through. You're not going to understand it. There ain't nobody going to be able to understand what I'm going through. And I can't come and expect you to understand what it is. But I know this. If I can somehow in my walk with him, let whatever it is in me that needs to die alone. If I can let whatever it is in me that's fighting against the moving of God's spirit in my life and the working of the miraculous in my life, if I can let it die alone, something about me taking it and bearing it and breaking the outer skin of it, that will bring forth a life that I've never seen before. Jesus is trying to show you and I, when you and I come to God and he fills us with the baptism of the Holy Ghost, it's me saying, not my will, but his will to be done. And death starts right then. And if we stay in the process, it's not my will but his to be done. Not my will but his will to be done. Not my will but his will to be done. And take my flesh and put it alone. So the Bible says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. That does not mean you make up your own doctrine for salvation. What it means is, is you know what your fall is. You know what your fall is. You know what your weakness is. You know what that besetting sin is. Just like Jesus was trying to tell those old boys. But listen, if you remember my principle, disciples, if you remember my principle and understand that, you listen, there's going to be times it's going to look like God is a million miles away and you're alone. But let the work of death, let the work of decomposition, let the work of something being taken away that you don't need, that he can add to you what you do need. Let him take it away. But you got to be willing to say, God, I need death to bring forth a miracle if you can see death is the doorway and the pathway by which the miraculous hand of God comes it causes you and I to enter into the things of God with a great joy and a great expectancy that's why brother Will some he knew that Judas would never get it he knew that Judas would never surrender his will about being greedy. He knew how to cloak it in a religious mask, still stay part of the group, but never dying. He knew Peter, Peter, quick tongued Peter. The one that knew how to pull the sword and cut the ear off with his mouth. But he knew Peter would learn it. Two boys got the same dilemma. Will out of control. Self out of control. 
flesh out of control. Why is it, Brother Roger, one gets it and one don't? Because one remembers. Even though I make the mistake, doesn't mean God's finished with me. I've got to let repentance have its perfect course. I've got to let something in me die. I've got to let the part of my will that's opposing God die. And Peter knew if I can let it die, then God can still use me. But to a Judas that never learned how to die. He never learned how to die. He never learned how to get in that place to let go of the will. You know, that's why we're on this fast, seven-day fast. And for those, I didn't say it before, those of you that can join, please be a part of it. This is your home church. Be a part of it. Seven days, we're fasting media, we're fasting food. For those that get a free out-of-jail card by being sick, they can do it on their own in a couple of weeks. Because I know some of them, yeah, I get the flu. I get to not fast. I'd rather the flu over that. No. I'm asking those that can't just pick up next week. Please. Why? What's the purpose in all this, Brother Benoit? Are you trying to give us a new cachet, a new, oh, what do you call it, mantras for the new year? Everybody good new mantras. What was 04 and no more and, you know, all this kind of stuff. Just live right. <laughs> Just live right. But the reason for the fast is trying to deal with my will, my flesh. I can't get rid of it. You can't eradicate it. It's always there. You come out of a seven-day fast, I promise you it's going to wake up again. But yet if I can get this, something in me has got to die. It's not my will. This isn't my kingdom. This ain't my church. This isn't my people. This is God's people, God's church, God's kingdom. And whatever God wants, I never want. I want ownership, but not ownership of possession. I buy into it with my spirit and my heart. But yet at the end of the day, you're his, not mine. All I am is the under shepherd to lead. But I've got to keep my hands off of Say, no, God, take my will as I lay it down and something in me dies. Jesus is trying to get him to understand that if you can go through it, sometimes it's alone by yourself. It's a challenge. There's nothing we hate more except for a few people like to be alone. Most people like to be around people. Come on, it was an old song, Misery Loves Company. Oh, y'all don't know nothing about all that because y'all been saved since the womb. I know. But when you're going through trouble, you want somebody else to feel your pain. When you're going through a problem, you want somebody else to be going through a problem with you. When you got everything going crazy in your life, you want somebody else. Why? Because you want to know, hey, I ain't got it as bad as I think I got it. But I'm telling you, there's some things in living for God you're only going to be able to do it alone. I can't fast for you. I, I can pray for you, but even that, Brother Kyle, I can pray God deliver, God give him strength. I can bind demonic spirits, and I can pray God send angels of help. But at the end of the day, if your will refuses the angel or your will refuses to be delivered, there's not one prayer that I can pray for you that'll get you out of the hell and the chaos you're in. But if somewhere you and I can learn the lesson... I'm the corn of wheat. I've got to die. That means I might have to fast. That means I might have to deny myself. That means I might have to turn the TV off, turn off everything else, and spend some alone time with God. I ain't going to preach it because I want to get to Kings. But if you'll go continue reading the rest of this, Sister Liz, I love the end of this. Jesus finally says, I need you to show him the glory. And the Bible says the voice of the Lord spoke. And here's what it says. To the whole group of people, the Greeks, the Gentiles, the Jews, the Bible said some heard thunder. And some heard an angel. The previous verse says it was God's voice. So there's groups under the sound of my voice. I'm hollering and the volume's up. You're hearing thunder. Because you can't get beyond a preacher that's just preaching. We want it to be. Now, my dear beloved, we're gathered here today to all pardon sins. 
and everything will be okay. Just keep living and drinking like you want and everything will be all right. We want that kind of preaching. You can keep doing what you want. Yes, God's merciful. See, it's thunder. And to, and to the spiritual group, Brother Daryl, they heard an angel. Woo! Angels just moved up in here. We got angels moving. We got it thundering. But where were the ones that heard the voice of God? But Charlie, it's like today, some hear thunder. Some think they're hearing God and it's angels and it ain't no more God than the man and the moon. They're just trying to make it spiritual. But then there's that group that says, I heard the voice of God. I don't know about you, Brother Roger. I don't need to hear no angel and I don't need to hear no thunder. What I need to hear is the voice of God. I want to be in that one-third group that hears the voice of God. So today, I, I, I pointed out, does that mean two-thirds of the congregation's hearing thunder and angels? Well, that's pretty disheartening for a preacher. That means I got one third, but you know what? Hey, Jesus didn't have 100% either, so I'll take the one third and say, hey, let's, let, let's hear the voice of God. What do you say we listen to the things of God? What do you say we deny ourselves and let's make our ears sensitive to the things of God? You say, Brother Benoit, how do I do that? I'm going to read the word of God with an honest heart, with an open heart, with a submitted heart, with a sincere heart. God, I want to know everything that you want me to know. I want to be a better husband. I want to be a better father. But when God shows you and I... Let's do what God shows us. That's why I think some of the distractions that we face today in this world is because it's, it's from all the distractions of life. Notice that when Jesus carries on and he says, okay, you got to fall into the ground. He said to him that will gain his life, he'll lose it. But notice he said, so whoever will hate his life. And he puts in there John writing of the world. He's not advocating you and I become haters on ourselves. What he's saying is, is your will, if it lines up with the world, something in me and you should say, I don't want to ascribe to that. I don't want to ascribe to their principles. I don't want to ascribe to their thinking. I want to ascribe to the things of God, the will of God, and the word of God. And the distraction he's identifying with there, and it comes to complete thunder, angels. So let me give it on notice today, Brother Charlie. People don't get the miracles they need in the house of God because their hearing is off. They're not hearing with an honest heart. They're not hearing to change. They're hearing because they want to stay in their own self-will. They want their families healed and delivered, but they don't want to change in their own will. And Jesus is trying to put this in the disciple is, when your will is not according to my will, when things are not going good, and the Sanhedrin are calling you up, and the Pharisees are calling you up, and they're threatening you to die for doing my will, there's got to be enough grit in your gut that says, God called me to this. I'm living for God because he's good to me. I'm not living for God because of my own will or what God can give me. I'm living for him him because it's his will it's his will it's his plan it's what he wants and I'll change whatever's in my life to fit that will why he said if it dies it brings forth much fruit the lack of abundance in my life brother Daryl Somebody hear me. This is, the, this is it. I'll go to Kings. I'm just going to touch Kings and I'm dismissing. The lack of abundance in our life, Brother Fontenot, is because there's something in us that has not died. If I'm not experiencing peace, joy, total, you say, well, my God, Brother Benoit, it'll never end. You're right. It's never going to end. There's always going to be perpetual. God, I seek first the kingdom today. There's never a day that I don't wake up seeking first the kingdom. As much as I'd like to take a siesta and just take a break, I can't. Because I know, Brother Daryl, if I give myself one day, I know the damage I can cause in one day. Now, none of you, I know y'all got halos and wings underneath y'all's shirt, but I don't. Every once in a while, I got a horn wanting to pop up here and a horn on my back. 
And I know that if I don't keep myself at a place of an altar and then I really die, that the altar ain't a piece of furniture and I just look by and go, I got an altar. But it's a place that smells bad. It's got the stench of death in it. Why? Because I took myself to an altar and said, God, I've got to die today. That much fruit. Folks, the reason me and you are living for God is he said, I come to give life and life more abundantly. It's the will of God for you and I to live abundantly. It's the will of God for us to live in multiple it's the will of God for you and I to live with great resources and you and I are the determining factor do I do it alone or do I try to let's go to Kings real fast Sister Beth quickly I got just a few minutes 1st Kings start with verse 15 17 1st Kings 17 15 you go to 15 14 and she went and did according to the saying of Elijah this little lady, there's a famine in the land, Brother Roger. There's a famine. And God took Elijah and said, hey, go to the brook Zarephath. I mean, go to the brook Cherub. Go to the brook. Go to the brook. Brook dries up because there's a famine, Brother Will. And he says, get up and go to Zarephath. There's a lady in Zarephath going to sustain you. There's a famine in the land. And he shows up there, and there's a lady and her son. First Kings 17. This is the previous verse. I'm giving you the cliff notes. And she gets, he shows up there, and there she is picking up sticks at the gate. She's picking everything up. He said, what are you doing? I'm just doing this because I'm fixing to go cook our last meal because we're about to die. Everything's over. Finish. Nelly, pessimistic. He says, okay, what you got? Go make the meal and it's not going to waste. She does what he says. They live. And here's the part. Verse 14. And she went, did according to the saying of Elijah and her house, and did eat, and he and her house did eat. She listened to what he said. The miracles take place, but it wasn't the miracle that needed to really come. That's why this whole chapter is really a sequential chapter. The miracle was not just the food, he gave the miracle. And they ate. And the Bible says that she and he, who? Elijah. He stayed there. See, scripture don't show this. Three and a half years. She ate. The man of God ate. And the house ate. The boy. Servants. They ate. All because a man of God showed up that walked with God. Don't let anybody ever tell you that the validity and the credibility of true men of God is gone. I still believe that there are men of God that walk this planet today in 2024 that carry the favor of God on their life that when they show up to a certain place, they bring favor, they bring anointing, and they bring blessing. I believe that. And I wish I had a little bit more behind me that really believed it. Because right now you're already thinking, oh God, he's after my money. I'm not after your money. I'm not after a parade, a Scott Benoit parade. But I, I, if I die tomorrow, you let it go down on record. There are still men of God that walk this planet 2024. That I believe that when they step into a house of somebody that's in chaos, the favor of God. Oh, I don't believe all that spiritual stuff. That's a bunch of hocus pocus. I say again, wait till you're in calamity. And then we need prayer. She was in calamity and God said, I'm sending you the answer. The man of God showed up and began to speak the word of God. Don't anybody ever say we don't need a preacher and we don't need the word of God from a true apostolic preacher. We need it in our life and more than ever we need it today. Not putting a plug in me, give that to Brother Fontenot. Give it to Brother Bushnell, I don't care. There's men of God that still walk in the spirit. And we need their favor that's on them to move in our families and our homes. But you see, from all the Robert Tilton days and the Jimmy Swagger days and all these things, it's messed up people's mind saying the preacher's out for money, the preacher's out for this, he's out for that. I say again, there are still true apostolic saints of God that won't steal true apostolic men of God. Oh, I can feel a bump on that so bad, and I want to, but I'm 
I'd say I'm hungry, but I can't do that either. He showed up. The man ate, she ate, the family ate. Now, here's the kicker. I don't ever remember a card in there. Nowhere did she ever said thank you. Nowhere, Brother Smith, do I ever find in that scripture. He just fed your whole stinking family. And you can't even say thank you for the work of God. Much of our dilemma is because we've learned or we've forgotten how to be thankful to God for his goodness. She never said thank you. She ate on the food God provided. See, God was after something in her. It wasn't about the food. The end of the chapter tells what he was after. But you can't, you didn't, we got the benefit of the end. Next verse, watch. And the barrel mill wasted not. Coods of all fell, neither according to the word was spread by light. Next verse. And it came to pass on these things that the son, the kid dies. Next verse. And she said, what I got to do with you? Folks, now come on. The dude that brought you favor to eat, now you're going to curse him because he helped you? Do you see where, how, how even now in North America the mindset has twisted? We don't believe that the favor of God is here because of good saints of God or because of a man of God that went before, that, that was here, that established some things. And then when death comes and problems come, we turn and look at the thing that brought the miracle and curse the thing that brought the miracle. I look back at Elijah and say, this is your fault, my boy. Do I need to remind you, lady, you've been eating on my groceries for three and a half years. <laughs> Ain't it the truth? You've been eating, getting fat and sassy. Eat. There's a still a famine, folks. Oh, I'm sorry, that offended everybody. Saying fat, I guess you can't say that now either. My God, I'm fat. Hello. I'm fat. Oh, God. You've been eating on the miracle. You've been eating groceries. Everybody in the land is still famining. You're selected as favored of God, your house, to eat of miracles. Like here today, you're favored of God. You got health, you got a mind, you got the presence. You are favored of God to be in this building today. Not maybe to hear fancy preaching or fancy singing, but God's favor's on you. He gave you a mind to tie your shoes this morning. He gave you a mind to get up this morning. To bring us to the house of God. And she looks at the preacher and says, you caused this. She was blinded by the miracle, Brother Darrell, that she's been eating on for three and a half years. And when it came time to blame, she blamed the church. She blamed people. She blamed the preacher. And I go down the road in my life of blaming everybody instead of looking to myself saying, I got to die. God forbid that I could be wrong. Brother Bushnell, as a preacher, one of the greatest concerns I've ever had is that I don't want to ever lose the ability for a man of God to come to me and say, that's wrong. Right. Let's go, Sister Beth. He said, now you call my sin of remembrance. He said, and he give me that son. He took her out of the bosom, carried her into the loft where he abode, laid on his bed. Next verse. He cried unto the Lord and said, O Lord my God, hast thou also brought evil upon the widow by slaying her son? Next verse. He stretched himself upon the child three times and cried, Lord, O Lord, pray that the child be healed. Raise him up, the thing that's dead. Next verse. And the Lord heard the voice of Elijah. The child revived. The reviving of that which is dead lies in it dying. That which is dead today, it lies in it initially dying. It took the death of the son. Some things have got to die 
that are close to our heart. For us to realize, to put things into perspective. Anybody here other than me, and I close with this, Sister Lisa, Josh, y'all, y'all come on. Anybody here other than me, you're in a situation, a circumstance, and you have just in every fiber of your body, once you've calmed down, you're not angry no more, you're not losing your temple, temper, temper. You get done, and at the end of it, you go, I know I'm right. Sister Cat, I'm so glad you're in the house of God today. We need to pray for Sister Weeda. She wants to be here so bad. Sister Betty. I hate not seeing them here. And then Sister Kat Nixon got that thing in her. I want God to heal them. Hey, that's the, the faithful few. You can't call them trio because there's four of them. But boy, they all over 80 and they're still going strong. I'd like to stay keep them around a little longer. Sister Kat, I love you. I'm glad you're here. But you've been in a situation and you know at the end of it, Brother Darrell, you go, I know I'm right. Is there anybody can say that you said, yes, you said that. I I know I'm right. Thank you, Sister Katie. I see your hand. That's the one to be honest. I know I'm right. But then events change, Brother Jeff. And two weeks later, a bit of information that you didn't know previously comes to light. And you realize, I was wrong. Who will get honest? I've done it. What happened? Perspective. You only had one perspective until God brought to light the other perspective that showed. And here you've got this little lady. When it calls him a man of God at first, she says, Oh, man of God. But it was a, you read the context there in this context, it shows that she didn't mean what she said. He was just a means to the end, he was her meal ticket to getting fed. And then it turns. The kid revived. The miracle came once he died. And when that thing in me or you dies. Next verse. And Elijah took him, brought him downstairs and said, see, it lives. Next verse and I'm done. And the woman said, now by this. I know. We need a now by this I know moment. My prayer is that for me, for you, that whatever it is in me that needs to die, that keeps me from the will of God, the purpose of God, and the miraculous power of God, I need that moment now I know. Was she bad? No, she was a mama with a kid that died. I can't help but say, but maybe she just looked at the only thing that could have. Maybe she was looking at him as, you brought me this, maybe you can raise him. A hard approach to go. I mean, why would you go that way towards him? But she did. But regardless, once it died, she got the revelation of, now I know. What? That the word of the Lord is truth. And where God has taken the North American church in this end time hour is. Got a lot of people saying the word of God is just another book. It's an antiquated book. Truth is is, is subjective. You can kind of pick and choose what you want. Live how you want. I'm telling you there is a day that is now upon us. It ain't coming. It's now. And the message God is saying to the North American church is. If we'll die out to our will. Die out to things that try to oppose the things of God. And say God I want to know truth more than I've ever known it before. That the miraculous power of God can be loosed in my family. I'm telling you miracles are at the doorstep of the North American church. It's beyond just what you and I think and what we've ever seen but blinded eyes will be healed deaf ears will be unstopped stand with me she said now I know that you are what you say you are today as Jesus said it or John pinning the experience today there's thunder I know many people are in a in a whirlwind of a storm and all you hear is the thunder of the problem some are trying their best to come out and say they see an angel and are hearing an angel and the voice and 
And then some are saying, I hear that is the word of God. Folks, there's a day that God is bringing upon us quickly now. The hour's come. And if you and I can somehow stretch faith the best that we can and realize God didn't bring you into this to let you fall by the wayside and be destroyed. But God brought you in this to bring you through something as a testimony to a whole world that there's a God in heaven and his word is truth. If you're hungry for that right now, just slip your hands to heaven. If you want something more from God, I feel hunger in this place today. I feel hunger in this place today. I feel people are hungry for something more in God. You want to know, God, how can I please you more? How can I serve you more? Come on, the miracle's already here, but there's still components. It took that thing dying for that mama to realize there's something more to this living for God. There's something more than all this church and, and, and all the, the things that we put on it, labels and titles. There's something more to it. There's a God in Israel, and there's a God in North America that's in this building today that wants to help somebody understand there's miracles here. Come on. Some have already come. I invite you from the back to the front. From the back to the front. There's a miracle. There's a miracle in death. I'm not talking about natural death. I'm talking about a dying out to will, to heart, to mind. There's a miracle in it. There's a miracle. Much fruit can be brought forth. And the much fruit for this lady was she began to tell other people. There's something about it that when it brings forth fruit, you can tell other people, look at what God's done. Look at what he's done in my life. If that's you here this morning, lift your hands, lift your voice. Come on, talk to the Lord this morning. Come on, just talk to him this morning. Come on, we need to react to the word of God now. That's what an altar is. It can't just be you coming and me leading you. you you got to find that place in him. I can't do it for you. This is where you're alone. You're at the altar alone. But let me tell you, there's a spirit of God that's hovering over this altar call this morning, looking for somebody that he could just help. Folks, God's not against you. The church isn't against you. People aren't against you. Sometimes we're against ourselves. We're harder on ourselves when really if we just look at it and say, God, I'm going to take a step in your direction.